You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our podcast content, and you can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and this show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And we are going to do a draft centric show today. Trevor Sykema from the Draft Network, from Locked on NFL Draft, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Shameless plug. Uh, And he also writes about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Pewter Report uh, smart dude, and we talked about his latest mock draft, which you can read, came out yesterday uh, at thedraftnetwork.com, and he's a smart dude. His mock drafts are much more interesting than most. Uh, they're usually funny, uh, but he's also thinking outside the box. It, it is, I think it is actually worse, and a lot of fans complain about these mock drafts where there's all kinds of trades, but I think it's actually worse and less useful to go one through 32 and say these are going to be the 32 guys in those situations because they always change. There's always traits. There's always wild stuff that's going on. And so to not at least try to anticipate what some of that wildness is, I think is you're not doing your job. You know, such as such as those things are important. Mock drafts are fun. I hope people have fun with them. So we'll get into that with Trevor, talk about some of the tight ends, talk about some of the edge guys who could help themselves at the combine, who needs a good combine showing, and and who could put themselves in position at 12, at 30, to be uh, a Packers draft pick. And some of the guys who might be sleepers, especially at the tight end position, we talk about TJ Hawkinson at 12 and whether or not that makes sense and, and what the composition of this draft class does to affect how that might look. Uh, there are just two quick things that I want to hit before we get to that interview. One is draft related and it is Kyler Murray is, uh, he is serious about football and has said he, football is what he's doing. And uh, we don't have to talk about Kyler as a prospect. We don't have to talk about whether he's tall enough. Spoiler alert. He's not, he's kind of like five, nine. Uh, and, uh, but that, that's not a deal breaker. But the, the thing that's interesting about that for the Packers is they have the 12th pick. The Dolphins have the 13th pick, and Washington has the 15th pick. Those are two teams that are going to want a quarterback. And there could be a surprise team or two after them who could be interested in a quarterback. Pittsburgh could be one of them. With We don't know what Ben Roethlisberger's situation is. What if they lose Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell in the offseason, and then they're like, well, what are we doing here, and we don't trust Mason Rudolph? We don't know. There's always one mystery team. We did not expect Kansas City to trade up for Pat Mahomes, but they did. There, there is one top-end quarterback in this draft, Dwayne Haskins, 
And then there are a bunch of guys after that. Daniel Jones from Duke, Drew Locke from Missouri, Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. Those are the clear next three. And they could all be first round picks or they could, none of them could be first round picks. Now, it seems like at least two of them are going to be first round picks, uh, maybe three. The Packers have leverage. We talked about this a little bit when he declared and, and all of that, but now we know for sure there was some waffling, some back and forth. Is he going to be an NFL player? He wouldn't even commit to going to the combine as recently as a week ago at the Super Bowl. Was doing interviews during media week for Gatorade and would not commit to going to the combine, would not commit to having a pro day. And it ramped up speculation. Is this guy serious about the NFL? Is he serious about football or is this just a leverage play. It turns out he wants to play football. So Green Bay is in the position at 12 now. There could be teams calling, trying to jump Miami. Washington is one of them. Even if you can just convince Miami that Washington has called and they want to move up for whoever, you might be able to get Miami to trade you something just to move up a spot, much like the 49ers did with the Bears and Mitch Trubisky, even though it, basically what we know now is no one was trying to move up. San Francisco played Ryan Pace and Chicago and, and got them to give up assets to move up. So that is why that affects Kyler Murray. The other thing, and we're going to talk about this more next week when we talk about the safety position, but Eric Reed signed a three-year $22 million deal with the Carolina Panthers, the team that signed him last offseason, the team that was, by the way, not the Packers. And he was a player that I that I thought could help Green Bay was uh, someone that was a more than competent starter. And this contract proves that. Now, not every contract is evidence of someone's quality. Plenty of terrible contracts have been handed out. But this was a guy who was there for, you know, a, a short period of time and got a nice deal given where the safety market was last year, getting, you know, more than $7 million per season is a pretty nice payday for a safety. This, this, is, this is now the floor. If Green Bay is looking at someone like Landon Collins, at someone like Earl Thomas, and those are, you know, those are things that, that you have to take into account if you're the Packers looking at the safety offseason and, and where you're going to go at that position. It's interesting because Trevor who we're going to talk to in just a second, actually had Deontay Thompson in his latest mock at that pick 30. And I don't think we've seen enough mocks, and I don't think we've talked enough about the potential that Green Bay is interested in someone like Deontay Thompson, is interested in someone like Nasir Adderley with a high pick, even if they go out and try and sign someone. You know, like Let's say they, they're interested in Trey Boston, well, he's in his mid-30s, getting up there in age. Even if they sign someone who can help them this year, they still don't have a long-term plan. Is it Josh Jackson? That's something we'll talk about next week. Could it be Tony Brown, who I thought coming out of Alabama needed to be a safety, but showed enough at corner that, that maybe you can use him as, as a sort of overhang hybrid defender who can play corner, he can play deep, you can play him anywhere. We'll talk about that next week. But this does have to factor into how Green Bay views the safety market, understanding that the guys that are out there, we saw a soft safety market last year. We might not see such a soft market this offseason, and that could cause Green Bay to allocate their resources a little bit differently. It will be very interesting 
to see how this draft and how the, the market itself dictates how Green Bay prioritizes its offseason because they're going to have money to spend. So where do they spend it? If they sign a big money deal from someone like Earl Thomas and eschew signing an Anthony Barr, a Brandon Graham, some of these guys who could be out there and available at the edge position in favor of a guard thinking that they can address the pass rusher situation in the draft, which, by the way, I don't think is a bad choice to make. They can they can get pretty close to signing you know, someone at each of those big three positions, guard, uh, edge, and safety, especially if it's a Trey Boston type at safety. But it'll be interesting to see how they decide to allocate resources there because it could tell us a lot about how they feel about this draft class. If they love this edge class, maybe they decide... A, a body, a rotation level edge, which they could use, is worth investing in. Maybe they decide Clay Matthews, if his market is soft too, he could be someone that they simply bring back at a much lower rate. Because I think one of the reasons that the fans are so annoyed with the Clay Matthews contract is just the size of it. If he were on a lower money deal, I think fans would be happy to have him back. I think Green Bay would be happy to have him back. He was an impact player at times last year. He should have sealed that Minnesota game where he got that ridiculous penalty. He made some plays last year. He's not the guy he used to be by any means. But on a low-money deal, could he be a rotation-level outside linebacker while someone like Ja'Kai Polite or Montez Sweat or Brian Burns gets up to speed? Yes, absolutely. So, Keep an eye on some of these contracts because they have trickle-down effects to how Green Bay is going to project their finances moving into the offseason. All right, let's get to Trevor Sykema. You can follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. You can find him uh, uh, at The Pewter Report. He covers the NFL Draft for Draft Network, and he is one of the co-hosts of Locked On NFL Draft. By the way, Locked On NFL Draft and Locked On Packers were one and two in the, the the standings for the Locked On Podcast Network NFL side last week. So these are the top two shows on the network. And so this is, in a way, its own kind of crossover extravaganza. Trevor, thanks for joining Locked On Packers. Yeah, man, it's good to be with you. So let's start. You had a mock draft out Monday, uh, something you do regularly. And if people don't read that, the this, this stuff over at the Draft Network, I mean, you guys are are killing it. That The site looks awesome. I've been pushing people to to the website. Everything looks really great. Uh, but you you had a mock draft out. And with uh, the 12 and 30th picks, the Packers are getting TJ Hawkinson and Deontay Thompson. So just walk me through a little bit of your thinking there. Sure, yeah. Um, this mock got a little crazy. Um, yep. <laughs> I, I uh, wrote it very late at night and I was just kind of went very mad scientist with it. I think I had nearly half of this draft, this mock draft involves trades and, yep. um, this will probably be the, the most wild mock draft that I do. But, you know, we read so many mocks where either writers kind of, you know, they have editors that don't really want them to do trades or, um, they don't really know how to get creative with, with draft pick value. And I took a stab at it just because. Man, we go into draft night and we go into draft weekend and crazy stuff happens. It always happens more, more uh, I think, outside the box than what we think. So this is kind of my way for a lot of teams just setting them up with what trades might look like. The Packers actually didn't have any trades. They avoided two, both trades uh, in this mock. And so, yes, you've got I, – I, I got them with TJ Hawkinson going at 12 and, and kind of 
my explanation there. Now, to preface this, the only edge rusher in the top five edge rushers that was still left on the board was Cleveland Farrell. I had all the other guys. I had Ja'Kai Polite, you know, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, and Brian Burns. They were all going in the top 10. So I had some teams really trading up for that edge rusher. So that's why at 12, I have the Packers taking TJ Hawkinson over a guy like Cleveland Farrell because – Boy, I really think that uh, TJ Hawkinson is going to rise up some boards, man. I think that the combine, and I think we're going to get into this a little bit later, but man, the combine is really going to open some eyes about this guy, um, how he does have the size and the strength and the overall game to be truly a um, three down, any any spot on the field, whenever you need him, that go-to guy. And I've been told the Packers are bringing Jimmy Graham back. You probably have more insight into that than I do, but that's what I was kind of under the basis with, but Man, Graham is just not the same guy that he used to be. And even if he is no. not having him on the roster, getting a guy like TJ Hawkinson to be in the same tight end room with, with Jimmy Graham, whether it is just for one more year, however long it is, would really, really help him and improve him as a wide receiver because this dude can block his butt off. I mean, he you do not have to worry about him being online and in line and um, being susceptible to edge rushers or extra blitzes or anything like that. He's already got that part locked down. And then when it comes to catching, it's hard to think that a guy with his size um, is able to kind of contort his body and catch through traffic and show the the acrobatic stuff that he's able to do, but he doesn't. I know Noah Fant going into the season got a lot of the hype uh, for uh, the, the Iowa tight ends and the early top tight end in this draft, but Hawkins has really come on big time. And then um, for that second pick, Deontay Thompson, boy, I was probably Deontay Thompson's biggest fan going into the year, but yeah. even I've got to admit that it was a really tough – uh, December and then January for him. And I'm not exactly sure why, because last year Deontay Thompson came in for Hootie Jones when he got hurt for Alabama and Deontay played his butt off. Like he was jumping off the screen all the time with range and instinct and the speed at which he played the game going a hundred miles an hour all the time. And you just saw him as a single high guy. And I'm like, man, this is a future difference maker in the NFL started this season off right where he left off last year in the college football playoff, this time as a full-time starter, was a real difference maker in coverage, could come up and make some hits, could cover some tight ends, cover running backs. And then as the year went on, man, he got quiet, his production got quiet, and then, boy, did it just seem like he got exposed there at the end. He he was looking uncertain. The instincts weren't there. Uh, Clemson was kind of manipulating him a little bit. But I've got to think that what I saw, and, and that's why you know Deontay drops all the way to that end of the first round, but i got to think that talent, that instinct is still there. He just kind of maybe had that sophomore slump of being a starter um, that kind of got to him as the end of the year. So I've got to think that he he still got that talent in him, and I think that Green Bay has really needed that difference maker single high guy for a while, especially seeing the kind of cornerbacks that they drafted and how they want to get aggressive in coverage and those kinds of guys. I think it would benefit them to be able to play a lot more single high. And Deontay, in theory, gives them that ability, but you've certainly got to get it out of them and get his confidence back up, no doubt about it. I think you'd have a lot of scared Packer fans if they drafted another Alabama safety, but that is... Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that, why. Yeah, that's its own issue. I, I want to I talk about the tight ends for a second because the, the point that I made uh, on the show, on things that I've written is tight ends at 12. We don't have a track record of that happening much in the last 10 drafts, sure. it's only happened one time, Eric Ebron. And uh, for as well as that went in 2018, it had not gone well before that. Sure. It's just it's just not a position that we've seen teams prioritize. 
do you think in, in this projection here, is it is it more a function of the quality of prospect that you think Hawk is? Or was this a, a situation where you felt like the value here and the potential impact of him for the Packers in particular in kind of a unique situation picking at 12, which, you know, I think most people agree is not indicative of their overall talent level. Uh, and, and is a, a much more unique situation to them and, and the way he fits in what they could do with Aaron Rodgers and, and what you mentioned with Graham. Sure. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think that it, I would say that it is more towards how good I think TJ Hawkinson can be. Um, he, like I said, he's a complete tight end, but you know, you mentioned you are, Gronk in the blurb and I, I that like, no, that's, that's I, been thrown out there, but you know, I, that's, that's, I'm always wary of saying the word Gronkowski when I compare any tight end, but holy cow, it's hard to not watch this guy and think that he could have that similar kind of impact late in his career, the way that Gronk has helped Brady uh, still be the quarterback that he is. You know, Aaron Rodgers getting up there in age, but still he's going to play for a long time. TJ Hawkinson could be a guy that could make sure that he plays for a really long time. And I did put that in the blurb there, but you're right. It's not really drafting tight ends early, even though we're seeing so much more emphasis on tight end play. It's not something that happens a lot. I mean, even OJ Howard, uh, lasted yep. until number 19 when the Bucks picked him there. You know, it, Howard Considered was a generational tight end. Prospect. Oh my goodness. I, I could not find anybody who did not have OJ Howard as one of their top 10 players in the draft. I mean, there were a lot of people who had him in the top five players in the draft yep. and he gets all the way to 19. So do I think that there's a chance that even though I think this is a good pit f- pick for the Packers, that they probably still think it might be too rich for a tight end. Sure. That always goes into it. GMs and, and kind of how they look at every draft class varies every year. That's kind of why it's such a fun process. I ultimately think that the Packers would probably still prioritize edge rusher a lot more than they would tight end. But in this situation with t- those top four guys gone there, I could see him giving Hawk a look. I really could just because I think that, you know, if we see it, if we see the kind of player that Hawkinson can be, so do they. And I think that they've got that Packer projection with Aaron Rodgers possibility. Yeah, and this offense with Matt LaFleur, I mean, we saw what George Kittle did with oh, no Shanahan's question. offense yeah. last year, playing with, you know, sub-NFL level quarterbacks for most of the year. Uh, let's get back to this discussion in a little bit. I want to talk about the edge rushers because, as you mentioned, there's that top five um, and and the one guy who was available that, that was not picked in this case was Clillan Farrell. So if we assume at 12, Bosa and Allen are gone, feels like a safe assumption. Yes. Then uh, it looks like the way you sort of see it is Burns, Polite, uh, Farrell, and Sweat as the next four guys, all of whom are going to be in the sort of range, that 8 to 16 or 8 to 20 range. Right. Yeah, no, I, I would actually, for the Packers, um, if Bosa and Allen are gone, which I fully expect them to be, uh, I would actually say that I'd have Polite as my number one for them, Burns as number two. Farrell probably number three, and then Sweat is number four, just because you know with um, with Farrell, he just does such great work with his hand in the ground as more of a traditional yep. four three DN, and I'm not sure how much the Packers are going to use that, and even how much they would want to replace that. Now I know you're talking about uh, replacing a guy like Clay Matthews, depending on how long he's going to be around there as a stand-up linebacker type, and Ja'Kai is much more that type. And Ja'Kai has so much speed coming off the edge from a two-point stance. Brian Burns can do it as well, but Brian Burns is a little bit taller. He's got a little bit longer of a frame, and 
not that I'm trying to spin that too much into a negative, but Brian Burns is great workout with his hand in the ground too. So I would actually say for the Packers, getting a pure speed player to come off of the edge and really be a terror in that aspect would be more of the polite mold. I think he's more around 240, 245. He could play more of a, of a, of a linebacker role than I think those other guys. And then, um, so that's probably how I would order them for the Packers just because and you don't want to get I don't want to get too scheme dependent, but I don't mean to make it sound like that either. All of these guys are really dang good and they can all make a difference yeah. as edge rushers. And so, you know, I think the good coaches pick the talent and they kind of mold their scheme around that. But I think certainly for what the Packers have set up right now, polite comes in would give them the highest impact if you ask me. Gotcha. So last week, uh, we or actually it was two weeks ago, we talked about some of the important drills and the measurables for edge rushers and, and what matters and what doesn't. As you look at that group of guys, who who do you think either will or could help themselves the most of that group by coming in and, and putting up, you know, one of those just, you know, like he comes in and just jumps off the the screen at the combine. Yeah. I mean, heck if, if, if Brian Burns comes in anywhere around 245, 250 and puts up athletic testing numbers as good or better than guys like Ja'Kai Polite, or maybe even Josh Allen, then your eyes got to perk up and you got to go, okay, now we've got somebody here because Burns is a taller, he's a longer player, but I was always, you know, under the impression going into this year, I'm like, yeah, but he's, shoot, man, he's like 230 pounds. You know, offensive tackles in the NFL are just going to throw this dude to the wayside. Like, it's not even going to be a big deal where, you know, you saw a lot more functional strength from guys like Ja'Kai Polite and Josh Allen, but if Brian Burns has his weight up to, you know, we've been talking to some people and some people have been telling us that he's around 245. We'll see if that ends up being true at the end of February here when he officially weighs in. But I think for him, I think the combine is biggest for Brian Burns because if he does come in at a bigger weight and can still put up great speed numbers, uh, whether that be in the vertical and the broad jump, the 10-yard split and the 40-yard dash, those are all ways that you judge explosiveness for these these edge rushers and these defensive linemen. If he could do that at, heck, anywhere around 245, 250 pounds, then and uh, you really got to take a hard look at him. And, and I think that he would be well in, in, in range for them to be happy picking him at number 12. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to that tight end discussion then, because TJ Hawkinson, obviously, you know, if he, if he tests well, I think he becomes much more attractive to the Packers at a plate like place like 12, but then there are some other guys in this, in this tight end class, uh, Noah Fant, Irv Smith, Jr., maybe even Caden Smith, can come in and if they have a really good combine, they're going to be not, not, uh, not 12, but 30, 45. I mean, the Packers have a couple spots here in the top 50 that could be potential tight end locations. What are you, what are you looking at from those guys in Indy? Yeah. I think the guys that probably have the most to gain at the combine from the tight end class would be, I'll say Dawson Knox from old miss, just because nobody is talking about him for some reason, you know, Mm -hmm. his usage at old miss was so far down but they never threw him the ball. If you yeah. watch Ole Miss's tape, this dude's open. This dude's open all the time. He knows he's got the functional strength to block. He's an athlete. He's a good. There athlete. were no bad decisions in that old mad pass pass or passing game. Everyone <sighs> on all those receivers, like who are you going to throw to? Any? I know that's very that is very true. So that maybe I guess that's why he probably didn't get the ball too much. I'd say Dawson Knox, Jay Sternberger is another guy. Um, he's tight end six for me right now. Will probably end up being tight end four or five, but. 
man, he had a crazy good year for Texas A&M. He's got a crazy story. I think he was at Kentucky. Who, or, no, he was at Kansas, I believe, for two years. Couldn't even get on the field at Kansas. Right. Ends up transferring <laughs> to a junior college or something. Uh, transfers immediately then to Texas A&M, and I think he uh, he almost led the country in receiving yards for a tight end. Like, he was crazy good. I, I, it's hard to believe this dude's story. If he shows up and puts up some great numbers, he's another guy. Size that you love with athletic ability, receiving ability. And then uh, further down my tight end list, I'll say Isaac Nada from, from Georgia, who would be a good pick. And that's why I understand when Packers fans, you know, in general say, hey, why are we picking a tight end? Why do you have me picking a tight end at 12? We could get a tight end later. I don't have any argument with that. You know, if you, there are so many instances where this tight end class is so deep that you might be able to get a really dang good tight end, um, second round, third round, heck, even maybe at the beginning of the fourth round, you might even be able to find a steal. That's how deep this tight end class is. So, not to take anything away from guys like Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, who I think are first round worthy, but if you don't get your hands on those guys, say if there's an edge rusher that you want at 12, say there might be a defensive back, maybe an offensive lineman that you want at 30 you can still get yourself a good tight end with that next pick in that second or third round. And so it's a very deep class. Those are three of the guys that I'd really be keeping an eye on other than the big names because those are guys that might have a big potential impact on teams. Yeah, the draft really does. And and when you loop in free agency with all the safeties there, with all the uh, potential edge rushers there, the offseason sets up really well with the kind of players the Packers need. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens here. Trevor, uh, where can my listeners find more of, of the work that you do? I mentioned the, the draft network, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you do. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm most active on Twitter. So, um, if y'all have Twitter out there and you want to follow me at Tampa Bay Trey T R E at the end, um, I'm doing all kinds of stuff over there. Obviously ton of stuff with the draft network and that crew. Uh, we got some really cool stuff coming up at the end of February with some mock draft machines, build your own big board machines and, we're going to give you guys a lot of fun tools. And then, hey, if you happen to be a Buccaneers fan, somehow listening to this Packers podcast, which you should because Peter's great, um, peterport.com is is where I cover the Buccaneers as well. I'm, I'm down here in Tampa Bay, so I do that as well. So I'm kind of all over the place. But if you're a football fan, I'm basically talking football 24-7. So um, no matter what you're a fan of. part of, of the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, yes. Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Myself and John Ledyard, we do it five days a week. So if you're a draft nut, Go over and subscribe to that one too. Locked on NFL draft. Thanks Trevor. I appreciate you. Of course, man. All right. I want to thank Trevor again for joining the show. Remember on Twitter at Tampa Bay, Trey T R E uh, NFL draft coverage at the draft network and the locked on NFL draft podcast. He and John Ledyard, who, who has been on this show before was on two years ago for locked on Steelers. Uh, they do a great job, and they're both on the Draft Network. So take in all the information they have to provide if you're an NFL draft head like I am. Uh, it's all there for you. And the, the website, I mean, I was selling Trevor off the air. The website looks amazing. Apparently, it's going to look even better. They've got some revamps planned. Create your own big boards. Create your own mock drafts on the site. It, it's a really cool thing. I, I'm, I was blown away by how good it looks and the quality of the content is as good as you can find on a draft website comprehensive and multiple perspectives not just one guy it is a half a dozen guys i think more actually that are contributing to this site so you're not just getting a monolithic view of these players and prospects this is like it's a scouting staff there's a bunch of guys there's a number of big boards you can look at a number of mock drafts 
So really good stuff there. I highly recommend you check that out. We're going to be back tomorrow. Uh, and then uh, we'll do a we'll take your questions tomorrow and then take a look at the tight end position on Thursday. TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fan, Irv Smith Jr., Caden Smith, and some of the guys maybe that, that Trevor talked about, some of those lower guys. I haven't watched all of them, so I will, uh, I'll have to get on that, frankly. And we'll talk about their options potentially in free agency uh, and, and what we should expect in the coming seasons from Jimmy Graham, Robert Tanyan, etc. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. Uh, it, it helps other people know what is going on here. And if you missed Make a Friend Monday, how about Tell a Friend Tuesday? Let someone that you know that's a Packer fan find this podcast. Do them a favor. It's their Valentine's Day gift, the Locked on Packers podcast and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline like for our mailbag show tomorrow you can do that 920-341-3775 so you can stay locked on packers